how I was shown it here is that we have three different types of energies that we carry as women. We are weavers, we are dreamers, and we are soul singers. So we can weave things into reality. We can dream things into reality. We can sing things into reality using sound vibration. And we all carry all three, but each one of us carries one more than the other. So I carry the energy of weaving. So when I have a group and I'm working with them, I can feel the weave of the group. I can feel the threads. And then if something's pulling somewhere or somebody's going through something, I feel that pull. Hello, and welcome to Phone a Crone. Author and gemotherapist Lauren Hubley and artist Christine Terrell are calling up creative, wise women all over the globe. Listen in as these women share their stories, knowledge, and insights about where we are, what's next, and how to connect to our own deep ancestral wisdom. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Christine. And um, we're here with Amantha, who will be sharing her work with us shortly. But before we jump in, I'd like to set an intention for all of our listeners. May you hear exactly what you need to in this conversation. And when you're called to share with another, may you pass along that wisdom to a fellow traveler. Amantha Murphy, welcome. So good to have you Thank with you. us. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Christine. Yeah. Can you open us up sharing a little bit about the work that you're doing today? I can, of course. So the work that I'm doing at the moment is called The Way of the Shavan. And um, it took me many, many years to actually put pen to paper um, about the work because being dyslexic, I'm not one to write and more one to talk. So in the end, a very dear friend, Orla, scribed for me. And it was only in that way we actually were able to get it down in writing and, and actually, you know, forming a book through that. So the work that I do is very much based on ancient Irish traditions that come through me um, as well as from me and women's mysteries, rituals and rites of passage. A lot of my teachings have come from my grandmother, who was the local midwife and healer in the area where I, I literally on the land where I live now. And I grew up spending all my summers with my grandmother, four foot two and a little, little woman, but she brought over 63 children into the world as a midwife. So quite amazing for the size of her. And um, and so she she brought me up really with the stories and, and understandings, consciousness, the awareness. When I look back, it was the awareness of consciousness when we'd sit in the field and she'd talk about the land and she'd talk about the trees and she'd talk about the earth. And and for me as a child coming back every year, this was a balm to my soul because we lived in a very strong community in London in an area called Kilburn, which jokingly is called County Kilburn because of the amount of Irish, especially after the war. And I was born at the beginning of the 50s. And, and so everybody was Irish and we had one Portuguese family in our long, long road and everybody thought they were strange, but they were Catholic. Their children did communion. So they were accepted, you know, um, <laughs> but the, the butcher, the baker, the doctor, everybody was Irish. So we grew up in a very strong Irish community. And so coming home every year, this was the place I could be free. This was the place I could be me. Mm. I grew up talking to spirit. And in those days, you know, nobody really understood that. And to me, spirit was the real world. This was mm -hmm. a world I had to get through. I had to pretend, I had to hide. And I actually felt like a flower inside a big bush and the bush was protecting me. And to me, that was like spirit, spirit were protecting me. And so every year when I come home and granny would take me out into the field and I would lie on the field like a star, my arms opened out, my legs, and I'm on a hill. And so I would breathe until I became the field. I became the hill and then going down into the valley and up above me, we have the mountains. We have two mountain ranges that meet like that. And the gap is actually called the gap, the gap of Dunlow. So I would breathe until I became the mountains. 
And then she would come to me, this old, old woman would come and she would talk to me. And I thought of her as my mother and I felt a bit guilty about that because my mother was a very good mother. She wasn't very tactile, but she was a very good mother and worked, worked so much so that we could have holidays and things of that nature. But this was my mother. This energy in the land was my mother. And so that taught me. She taught me and the trees would talk to me. The stone beings would share their stories with me because a lot of the stone beings are record keepers. So they hold the stories of the land. And for us in Ireland, our stones are our ancestors. Our trees are our ancestors as much as the two-leggeds are, you know. And so I grew up in that environment. And I went to conference schools as most Catholic Irish girls did. And I actually loved my nuns. They were the ones with the wings and the Vincent de Paul. And they were very good women. The women I was with, the nuns I was with were very good. And they had two orphanages that I used to work in at weekends. And they had a home for um, for tramps and for you know people with disabilities. And, and I used to work with them and I loved it. And I loved the women. And I seriously thought about being a nun until I reached 15, 16 when my sexual energy started rising. <laughs> it was like, that was it, you know, but it wasn't for the praying. I wasn't into the praying. Jesus never really figured in my life. I grew up with Mary. And my granny used to say, if you want anything, you pray to the mother, for she is the mother. And so the feminine was always in my life. And in a lot of Irish families, the woman, the mother is often the matriarch in the home. So the husband acts like the boss outside, you know, and in front of people when visitors come, he's the one that says things. But everybody knows it's the mother. Everybody knows, you know. And we have a saying here that every son is some woman's son. Every man is some woman's son because all the men love their mummies. You know, <laughs> it's just something that's natural here. The, the connection between the family. So I grew up with Mary. And, um, and then when I was 16, I actually thought about coming home, living with my granny. And the energy, the old woman came to me and she said to me, you have to go. You have to learn. You cannot live here. And it broke my heart. Broke my heart. I didn't know what to do. And... I just, yeah, I was devastated. And um, and being dyslexic, school was very difficult. My subject mm. at school was mathematics. I got my first prize at six for good mental work. And that continued up through the school. But I didn't know what to do. So I thought I'd become a nurse, which is a very common Irish thing as well. You know, you're either a nurse or a teacher or a nun. And, um, and then I had my fourth operation um, in my teen years, which was on my foot in the hospital I'd applied to to do nursing. And the assistant matron came and told me that actually it's one of the few jobs I could never do because I couldn't be on my feet all day long because of the operation and what, you know, what I had. And so I then didn't know what to do. I floated for a while and became a hippie, of course. That was the time. Festivals sure. and smoking dope, taking mushrooms, you know. Um, and spirit came back when I was 16. I stopped seeing spirit at 12 because I had an eye operation, which was my first operation. Uh, for double vision so I was no longer in the two worlds and I stopped seeing spirit and then at 16 it all came back through an experience I had and so I started talking to spirit again and I actually thought everybody did because if you think about the movies in those days especially the black and white movies they'd often have a good angel on your right shoulder and a bad angel on your left whispering so I actually thought other people had that too I thought people had these voices and these energies, these entities that they could talk to. So I didn't know they didn't. Um, so I went into clairvoyance. By the time I was 20, I was working as a clairvoyant and then went into um, doing different forms of healing, doing trance work. And gradually in my 30s, through another experience, I came back to the land. And the land really called me. And so I started moving in with the earth, in with the presence of the entities and energies of the earth, all those betwixt and between seen and unseen. And through that, my own work developed in a very different way. I started moving away from one way of being and one way of working to actually becoming my work. My work is me. There is no separation. You know, there is no, what, how did your work affect your life? My work is my life. My life is my work. It's one, it's the same. And it's very much working with people, mainly with women, 
um, but I do work, of course, with men as well. And I have some beautiful spirit brothers. Um, but it is mainly with women because I find that when women come together, magic happens. Magic happens. And whether they are coming together for a coffee morning or whether they are conscious that they are coming together to do some work, magic happens. Women begin to open. Women begin to share. Things begin to emerge. And to me, I always feel so blessed by that, to be able to be a part of that and to hold another woman's story. To me, that is one of the most sacred things we can do as women, is to hold each other's stories in sacredness, in sacredness. And so the work developed through that. And so now the way of the Shevan is a balancing of the ancient Irish traditions. And as I said, women's mysteries, rituals mainly, rites of passage. Thank you. Wow. Um, so are you ready to book a ticket and go to Ireland, Christine? <laughs> yeah, I'm on one of our pilgrimages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Google right now. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to go with that, Lauren. You, you jump. Well, I would like to that. hear more about how someone learns from you because you have all this incredible wisdom. How would someone work with you to learn more? Yes. So I now do apprentice courses, which actually COVID pushed me into it. I was sure. doing courses before that. And I had a group in uh, Canada, in Western Canada. I had a group here in Ireland. And I had a group in the US. Um, and that at the time, it was that I would spend a week with them in the spring and a week in the autumn. And having seven to eight days was really wonderful because we could get there. You know, I've always thought I wasn't really an intense person, but at this point in my life, I kind of accept the fact I'm really intense, you know, <laughs> and that's good. That's good because we go in, we go in deep, you know. So because of COVID, I started doing it online and I've been fighting that for 15 years working on. I didn't think I could teach online because I very much move with the presence of the energy of the room and the people. Um, but actually, I, I do well online. I'm quite surprised at myself, you know. So we have apprentices and um, and we I teach through the year. And then they have monthly cluster groups with one of the teacher trainers that they can then do the work, do exercises, working on themselves, working on each other. Um, and that has evolved beautifully. And now we have in-person retreats started last year. Um, in the autumn which is just great because we can come together and you know you can't miss anything when you're together physically whereas when you're together on zoom you know somebody might be saying something and actually it's not necessarily where they're at but when we're actually physically together for me I'm a weaver energetically and how I was shown it here is that we have three different types of energies that we carry as women we are weavers we are dreamers and we are soul singers. So we can weave things into reality. We can dream things into reality. We can sing things into reality using sound vibration. And we all carry all three, but each one of us carries one more than the other. So I carry the energy of weaving. So when I have a group and I'm working with them, I can feel the weave of the group. I can feel the threads. And then if something's pulling somewhere or somebody's going through something, I feel that pull. So I can then address it. I can go to them. We can do some work together, say, in the center of the circle while the other women hold space. So it works very well. It's working very well. And I also do workshops, as you uh, said earlier, Lauren, with introductions. So I do introductory workshops in the States, occasionally in Canada, and here, of course, at home. And, um, and I've actually been working through a center for the last couple of years in Wisconsin, the Golden Light Healing Center, which is near Green Bay, run mm -hmm. by a, a dear woman, Amy. So I have done uh, an introduction course this year. I did an introduction and advanced course. And next year I'm doing an introduction and advanced and an advanced arts course. <laughs> so really looking at my website would give you the information. And the website is Celtic Soul Journeys with a ys.com. Beautiful. We'll make sure to include that in the uh, show notes. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with the, the ancient Irish way that I work with, it is very similar to shamanic. And so the nearest word you can put on it is shamanic. 
I don't use that word. I use the word Shivan because that was the name that was given to me. But we do work with the three worlds. We work with the lower world, which is the place of our roots. It's our ancestors. And we are made up of our ancestors, not just in our build and our coloring, but we carry their patterns and all the things that were never cleared, never resolved, never had closure, we carry too. And that's our instinctive body. That's how we react. Not how we respond, but how we react instinctively. So that's the lower world. So we work with the lower world and we work with an ancestral teacher, an ancestral totem. And then the middle world is the world that's very similar to this reality. It's our place of being. So the lower world is our place of power because once you know what you carry, you stand in your power. Even if you haven't cleared it, you acknowledge it, you recognize it. That gives you power. Nobody can tell you something you are not. Nobody can make you believe something you are not once you know who you are. And that is power. That is power. And as women especially, we need that because we've been given so much propaganda over the thousands of years, you know. And so the middle world is our place of being, how we respond in this reality, how we create in this reality, mm. how we bring balance, how we can open ourselves to the presence of those betwixt and between in this middle world. Do we create or do we actually stand by and watch life go past us? You know, how much do we actually, what we say in Ireland, how much do you eat and drink of life? <laughs> how much do you literally eat and drink of life? You know, because that's important to be alive, to be awake. And then we have the upper world, the branches of the tree, which is our place of spirit, connecting with our spirit selves and the essence of spirit. And so that's when you often see the Celtic tree, you see these big, deep, strong roots, which is our ancestors, the center, which is the middle realm, and then the branches, which is the upper, and the balance of all. And I always work more on the little, on the lower world than I do on anything else. Because if we don't have our roots, how can we go up? How can we open? How can we draw down the information? How can we be in that space of understanding if our roots do not hold us? Mm. And so we need our roots. We need to be able to draw from our roots. And once we clear those patterns that as souls we've chosen to take on in balance to the two souls that gifted us life, because everything is in balance. So as we work through those patterns that we have chosen as souls to work through, we are then more connected into this realm. We stand more in our place of being because it's not pulling us one way or another. It stops attracting these situations in our lives that we have to continue mm -hmm. to work through. Beautiful. That that may be leading right into my question that's coming up at Mentha is, what is your hope for these women that work with you? What, what do you aspire for them? I don't know if I have hope anymore in that sense. What I do is I offer and I assist mm. and I truly believe that every soul is on their own journey we don't understand our journey how can we understand another so if one woman comes and she stays for just a few months that's perfect that's where she needs to be she might come back and we have had some come back and say oh there was so much in that first year I needed time to assimilate but I'd like to now step in again you know and then we have others that go off and we might never hear from them again and that's fine when you said earlier about allowing the wisdom to flow through you to another I do believe that happens mm -hmm. I do believe it comes up again at another time and space and so what I am holding is the space the recognition that each woman is a creatrix and she is here especially at this time when everything is going through such chaos she is here to hold that space and to create tomorrow spirit says we are the seeds of the seeds of the seeds we our dreams our focus of intention is creating tomorrow's earth yeah. for our descendants. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes me think, kind of circling back around a bit to the land, this idea of your youth growing up in London, it sounds like, but what you called home was Ireland, right? Yeah. You 
going home. But this idea that we are not very connected to our land anymore, and I'm curious what your thoughts are about that and maybe how people, especially since so many people live in cities and, you know, urban places now, how they might connect better to the land, where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, Christine, one of the things around that for me is to do with consciousness. Mm. And consciousness is being awake. And we have a lot of propaganda around us that is trying to keep us asleep, whether it's buying that new red car, whether it is searching or trying for something else. It's taking us out of who we are and where we are. We are so rich in the essence of our own natures. And when we stand in that presence, people cannot do things to us or in our name if we do not accept it. And I think that's important. I really do feel that's important. And no matter whether you're, I mean, when I was in the city, I remember when I had my first two children, you know, and um, walking down and I would wait to see the first flowering of the apple blossom. And it would remind me, this is spring, spring is coming. Of course, my birthday's in spring too, so I love that. But the first flower, you know, whether you're in the middle of the city or living in a village or on the countryside, nature is around you. It's pushing through the cracks. You can see it on the roads, on the pavements. It's pushing through. There's flowers in people's gardens, in people's window boxes. There's trees. They're there. And can you imagine allowing yourself to step out and instead of thinking about whether you're going to catch the bus or you hope you don't get caught up in traffic or you get the kids to school or whatever it is, that you say to yourself, I'm going to be here. What is it I see in nature? When I open my curtains in the morning, I live, I sleep in a, a very blackout room. So I have a blackout blind and blackout curtains because light wakes me up. So when I open my curtains in the morning, I never know what it's going to look like outside. And to me, that is my first gift of the day. I breathe in how the day is. And if it's a very misty day and maybe windy and raining, I'm, I'm being told, okay, so I need to take some time today. I need to be a little quiet today. If it's sunny, it's like, oh, I'm off out. <laughs> I'm off somewhere. Even if I'm working, I'm going to take some time to get out, you know, and walk on the land. So I have that first connection, which for me is a communion with the earth. And whether you're in the middle of a city, it's still there. You just have to stay aware for it and connect with it. You know, we breathe the air that the trees need to grow. The trees breathe the air we need to grow. We have an osmosis between us and a tree. You can go to a tree, any tree, and you can breathe into the tree. You're gifting the tree life. And that tree can breathe into you. It is gifting you life. And just the act of doing that, and I don't mean just in that way, but the act of doing that together begins a connection that can form. And gradually, that tree becomes your tree. You might name it. You might watch how it grows and how it drops its leaves in the autumn. And all the little insects and little animals that might live around it and the birds that might build their nest on it. You start becoming aware that actually nature is life. And because we now live in high tower blocks and in square houses with central heating, I mean, over here, I only found out yesterday, over here in Ireland now, they're saying that new houses are not to have fireplaces. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the most indigenous thing we have in Ireland is our hearth. In the old days, they would build the house around the hearth. They would choose first where the fire was to be. I grew up cooking over the fire. I was 17 when my grandmother got the first cooker, when we got her the first cooker in Castle Island. Before that, we cooked over the fire. The bread was made in the cauldron. Fire is so important to the Irish people. You know, Bieltana, this time, we had the great Bieltana fire, which carried out across the land. Everybody's fire was lit from the one fire. 
and how important that is. And so we're being cut off from nature. And to me, that is usage of those in power to strip us from where we are. And despite that, we are waking up. Despite that, we are standing up. Despite that, we are saying no. Oh. 50 years ago, you wouldn't have heard people talk about Indigenous people. 20 years ago, you wouldn't have read anything about Indigenous people. Now, people are aching, they're urging to hear the authentic stories. People are not just listening, but they're wanting to find that which resonates with them. Why do and you that's think growing. That? I'm sorry. Because not... we are waking up. Because we are waking up, Lauren. Mm -hmm. I mean, a friend of mine was at a dinner party of her husband's work, nothing to do with anything esoteric. And they're chatting away and then the men go off for something and the women are just talking. And then one woman starts talking about having a healing. And then another woman starts talking about somebody else. And then this other woman said to oh, have you heard of Amantha Murphy down in Kerry? And my friend Deirdre kind of went, mm. <laughs> you know, it's like even in the normal workplaces or dinners, nowadays, you know, conversations will often come around to this. People are waking up. What fed them before doesn't feed them anymore. Religions are not feeding them anymore. They're looking for something deeper. At home here, you know, we have places that for us are very sacred, sacred sites, sacred places along the land. And 25 years ago, when I would travel around, I'd be the only one. I'd be scrambling through bushes and briars, going over a field with bullocks, you know, to get to this place. Now, hundreds are going there. They have little interpretive centers. People are being drawn back to the land. They're literally being drawn back mm -hmm. because they're feeling it and they need to have that feeling. They don't want to be told what to do anymore. They want to find what is right for them. They want to resonate with that. They want to know that they feel held in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It 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 makes me think about trust. That's one of the things that we've been talking about in these discussions, like trusting ourselves, right? Like how to trust us, ourselves and, and that we as a, as a society haven't been doing that so well. So I wonder, I guess I, clearly there's a connection. Do you think it's the land itself that helps us do that or is something yes. else? Going on there? I, I think it's, I think maybe there's more than one, two things that do that, but yes, number one, the land, Two, is being able to share your story in a space where you are seen and you are heard without comment, without judgment. Interesting. Because often when you actually speak your own story and you are being held, you will hear yourself and you will begin to see how you might have felt that wasn't right, but you went on with it. Or somebody said to you, oh, you can't do that. And so you didn't, but something in you knew. And often you don't reach that until you are being held. For me, each circle of women is a container. Each circle of women is a chalice. And each one holds the chalice and each one can be held within the chalice. And when you hold that chalice for other women, whether there's three of you, whether there's 13 of you, but when you are held and when you hold that space, you begin to find your own truth you begin to trust yourself because you are looking into the eyes of sisters who have also gone through experiences have also grown through pain through not listening to themselves and there's no judgment there's just holding and i really for me one of the biggest things i love in my work and i've loved it since i was a teenager even before i did this work was meeting sisters I don't physically have a blood sister, but I have hundreds of sisters now and I love every one of them, you know, and they love me because every woman to me is a potential sister. To hold that space for her, to hold it with her and to be held by her. I lived in community from about 29 to 44. And I think I was 32 when I started the first woman's group, which was actually one of the women in the the community that asked me and it was the first time for me 
that I was being held. It's the first time I had people who could hold me because no matter where I ended up, I always seemed to be the one holding. I mean, I went looking for teachers in my 20s and I ended up giving them readings, doing healings, whatever it was. And here I was being held by sisters, you know. Yeah, and to me, that that's... To me, that's so important because once you recognize each woman is a potential sister, and if you can see her in the grace of that, then she will feel it. She will feel that. Yeah. And we need that now as women. We need to stand together. We need to stand together. We need to speak together. We need to say no. And we need to show that no means no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's true. I also think that we all have to do this together and there has to be this kind of stuff going on for men too, right? Like I get that we've lived in a patriarchy. I get that men have done all the things men have done, but that what you just described doesn't exist for men, right? That I know of. Um, yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. There are men's groups popping up. Are there? Good. That's yeah, good. there are. I know of a few and um, yeah, they're popping up. They're popping up. And, there are many men that will stand with us. I'm not anti-men, but I'm certainly anti-patriarchy. Oh, yeah. And there are men who will stand with us. There are men that will stand beside us. But it has to be our voice now. It has to be our voice now. Interesting. Yeah, really why, do you, why do you say that? What is, what is that? Because I feel the shifting that is happening on a planetary level. And I feel the Earth... She's dying and the earth is being reborn and we are the midwives. Mm. And I feel that we have that vibration to hold that. When you look at the animals and how, you know, so many of the animal in the animal kingdom and some of the bird kingdom, it's the female that takes care of the young. And the male will go off and get the food and come back, you know, and this happens a lot. We each have our roles to play. And I really feel right now for us as women, this is our role. This is our role to play. We are the creatrixes. The greatest magic we have is in our womb, not just children of the body, but children of the mind. I mean, who else could bring another soul into being? You know, we have that. And yeah. we need to bring forth all that magic that we carry, not just in our passion and our power, but in our grace in our kindness, in our openness with each other, to bring forth all that is ours. I mean, I work with women from, from my age downwards, you know, and even women in their 20s often find it difficult to actually get in touch with their power mm. because it's been so inbred that power is evil and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Power isn't evil. It's what people do with it. Power can be the power of kindness, the power of caring. Power is not evil. It's what people do with it. And as women, we I feel we need to reclaim our power. We need to be able to say no to things. We need to be able to stand and hold that space and know it's okay because it's so inbred in so many of us. And we have so many sisters across the planet that cannot stand and speak. And I truly feel that every time I stand and speak, I am speaking for those that cannot. And I truly believe that that energy becomes part of the fabric, what I call the weave of the earth, to assist those women. In whatever way we can, we should. And one of the ways we can is to speak. Yeah. Uh, Amantha, you may have already touched on this, but I would be really interested if there were, besides the connection with your grandmother, were there particular events in your life that really propelled you in a certain direction? So many. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> so many, really, so many. I mean, you know, I can just pick them out according to where I'm focusing my attention, you know. Um, when I moved into working spiritually, my poor mother, God bless her, you know, she had masses said for me. Um, 
because she just didn't know what was happening. And even though her mother had the gift, my mother grew up in a different island to my granny. My mother grew up at the time that Ireland had just become a union. We weren't yet a republic. It had just become a union and the priests, the cardinals, the bishops took over. And so Catholicism became very frightening. Everything was wrong. Everything was evil. Everything was sinful. Whereas to my granny, it was a very loose belief. You know, I remember one morning getting ready for mass and I was about eight or nine and granny had just come in for feeding the chickens. And my mother looked at her and my mother went, your mother, you're not dressed for mass. And granny's holding the basket with the eggs and she looks up at my mother like with a frown and she says, she God knows I'm busy. And she just carried on doing what she was doing. It was like, this wasn't a sin because mm -hmm. they knew she was busy. You know, it was a very different, a very loose way. And so when I left the convent school and I went to another school for two years to do my exams because the convent school was very small, that was a huge shift for me. I felt like I was nearly going to have a breakdown at that time because I went to, from a very small, uh, warm holding <laughs> convent school to a secondary modern school with mixed. And, uh, and that freaked me out. You know, and because I was good at maths, there was hardly any girls in the maths class. That made it worse, you know. Um, and I had to get through that. I had to get through that. And I I had to make myself get through it. I had to push because it would have been very easy to have closed in and closed down. Very, very easy. And, um, and I had to push my way through that. And funnily enough, I always slept at that time on my stomach with no pillow. I used to sleep on one side and I started practicing sleeping on the other side. And I also realized that I used to cross my legs one way and I started crossing them the other way. So without realizing it, I was starting to balance the hemispheres of my brain and I started learning better. I never crawled as a child. I went straight into walk by nine months. I was walking. So I was starting to balance that. So that was a big shift for me. Um, and then, of course, um, I couldn't become a, a nurse because of the operation. And so um, I didn't know what to do. And I started working. In those days, you could work from October to May, which was great. And then you do all the festivals between May and October, you know, go to all the different music festivals. And the priest and the uh, headmaster of the school came to see my mother to see what I was going to be doing, because, you know, now that I wasn't going to be a nurse and they were suggesting I should be a teacher of mathematics. And um, and my mother, I can remember hearing my mother in the kitchen saying, sure, I can do nothing with her, Father. I can do nothing with her, you know, like this. And the priest came in and he was an English priest. He wasn't Irish. And um, and he asked me for a reading because she told him I was doing this. Yeah. And I was I freaked. I freaked at a priest asking. And also he was one that taught us, you know, religious instruction at school. And I never liked the man either. So um, my mother was devastated. She couldn't believe he'd asked for a reading. You know? But for me, I shifted then. When I became a hippie, I truly believed in love and peace. And I truly believed we were going to change the world. And, and we did, but not in the ways we thought we would. I mean, it brought in free range eggs and, and healthy foods and things of this nature. You know, that all came from that period. But it was a period where... For me, come, growing up in a very strong Irish community where our relatives, you know, we all supported each other. You know, my father's a painter and decorator. Another uncle was a builder. Another uncle was a chippy. Another was a car, uh, a, 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 an electrician. You know, we all we were always in each other's houses, which is, you know, very, very kind of common, really. But that became extended into the hippie community. And you felt that connection. You felt that 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 sort of family energy, that community energy, and and all wanting peace, all worshiping, all praying, all singing for peace. You know, it was a huge thing. It opened me up to realizing that perhaps we can change the world. My very first workshop when I was about twenty three was on peace. There'd mm. been the march um to the american embassy and uh, it was after that and i decided to do a day on it and i was so surprised that people could visualize war in the world but they couldn't visualize peace 
And then I found they couldn't visualize peace in their country. They couldn't visualize peace in their community. They couldn't visualize peace in their family. Actually, they didn't have peace in themselves. And I was really taken back at that. I mean, that really threw me. That they could visualize peace. They could not visualize peace, rather, just within themselves. And yet they were visualizing war in the whole world. And I thought that cannot be right. We have to begin with self. So that brought me into that space of self and working with self. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when I was 32, my father died and um, and I was going through a lot of inner work at the time. I was with my second husband who was American and, and he really stretched me, even though you know, it was a difficult relationship. He stretched me in my work. He recognized it and he made me start organizing myself and recording and things like that. But after, just after my father died, I was doing a very deep meditation. And at the time I was tr channeling, doing trance work with what they call masters and that. And this energy came and told me that, you know, you have to do this, this and this. And I'm thinking, no, I don't. <laughs> and um, and then he said, yes, you mu this must be. And I just went, no. And when I said no, I heard this sound like, almost like uh, bells to, to my right. And I looked around and I saw these women walking mm -hmm. and they were priestesses. And I think there was two and then there was three and the third one in the middle was holding a chalice and then there was two. And they had this sort of a bluey purple color on and out of the chalice was emanating light. And I looked at these and I looked at him and I said to him, no. That's my way. And as I said that, I felt my palms burning. And even when I came out of the meditation, I looked and my palms were burning and I could see the sun in the center of my right hand and the crescent moon in the center of my left hand. And I realized that way wasn't my way. I'm not meant to be told what to do. I am here as the creatrix. I have to live my life. I have to make my decisions. And Spirit said after that, your choice is our demand. And I said, what does that mean? They said, whatever you choose, we will work with you. But it, it has to be your choice. And Spirit never tell me you have to do this. They might whisper in your ear something, but they won't say you have to do, because it's our choice. We are here to live in the fullness of who we are. And we are animal, human, spirit. We are souls on a journey. And we have to accept that, we have to live that, we have to acknowledge that, you know. And so that really changed me. And I very much got back into the earth and working with women. And of course, having the women's group around the same time as well, it, the whole thing came together. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I love working with women. I love doing the rites of passage. I mean, here now I do naming ceremonies. I do, uh, I used to be a doula. I have a congenital problem in my back and um, had a massive operation about eight years ago. So I can't stand for too long. I could still be with the woman, but I can't hold her like you would before, you know, for the birth. And so I've been with many women's births and um, and I do like naming and we will do first blood. Um, I do marriages. I do hand fasting ceremonies. I do a celebration of life, uh, croning ceremonies. Um, yeah, so whatever is needed really um i just <laughs> respond to it you know yeah amantha that is such a beautiful statement just to sum up everything i've heard that you just show up for what's needed and yeah. there you yeah. are that's beautiful yeah, yeah and for the women that come to do the work you know they're drawn to it and often they're drawn because they've read the book the way of the shivan but my focus is to assist them to be all they are meant to be and that's not necessarily to be a reflection of me, right. but right. it's to be who they are. So I hold that space to assist them to become all that they are within them. We carry the matrichondral line all the way back. We have thousands of foremothers who have gone through things we will never understand, 
who have worked in ceremony and with others who have lived and died in beauty and pain, we can draw upon all of that. They are there for us. They are in a spiral around us, you know, so we can lean into that. We can draw upon that. So, for example, one of the women now, I don't know if you can see this painting behind me, but that's how her work manifested. That's Boan, one of our ancient deities. And so it might be through dance. It might be, it might be through this work. It's whatever is right for them. So I don't say you have to be a Shivan. I say, I'll hold this space. Let's see. Let's play. Let's dance with this. Let's bring this forth. But let's clear those patterns first. Let's work on those ancestral patterns so that you can begin to find out who you are right now not what you are having to carry and work through. Lovely. So I think that's a change, that's a shift, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Amantha. Wow. So rich and so um full of texture. I love hearing everything that you've shared. Thank um, you. Christine, I think it's time for our lightning round. Oh, I think you're right. It's the the beginning of the end is the lightning round. <laughs> I'm going to drop it next season, Lauren. <laughs> okay, you can. Um, okay, what's one thing that you're, I'm sorry, what's one thing that you're looking forward to? One thing I'm looking forward to, hmm, life, life, <laughs> staying, being alive, just being here, just enjoying life, enjoy, you know, the nearest thing to God, they say, is joy. To be enjoyed, to be enjoyed, to be in that place of inner ease, to live in pure joy. God hears joy before she hears anything else. You know, to live in that space. We can get so caught up in the things around us, and that's natural. That's life. We we cannot, and we should never tell ourselves off and pull ourselves down for that. We recognize it, and we're kind to ourselves. But to live in the essence of being, to be here now, to really be here, to feel that. To me, that's very important. Love that. Yeah. That's um, what's one thing that you still want to learn about? Life. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I feel like I know less now than I did when I was in my twenties, and that's okay. I'm I'm very comfortable with where I'm at now. I'm very much at ease with me, and if I went tomorrow, yeah, I'd miss my family, my children, my grandchildren, but it'd be okay too, you know. It's like I'm just at ease now with it all. Yeah, yeah. and I still have excitement at tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow will bring, I still feel that excitement. Sometimes I feel like a child with my excitement. And I'm very curious when I go places. I like to ask questions. What do they do here? What do they grow? You know, how do they work? It's like I like to know. I have that curiosity and I enjoy that. It's okay. You know, and I have a stick now that I have to use occasionally because of my back. And I'm, I hated it at the beginning, you know, absolutely hated. Oh, God, no, can't have a seat. Oh, I love it now. I wave it around. If I want to cross the road, I'm waving it. And, oh, I really play it. I mean, I literally play it and I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love playing that too, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy it. Yeah, I do. And I, I feel very blessed, to be honest, by by my family, by my children and grandchildren. I mean, they are very unique, special people and, and beautiful souls, every one of them. And I'm blessed by my family, my greater family, my sisters and brothers, my spirit sisters and brothers. You know, it's, yeah, I, I'm just very blessed. And I live in my soul and upon my soul home. This is my soul home, this land. I'm yeah. living here where my granny, it's my mother's, it was my grandmother's, it was my great grandmother's. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I have the beautiful view, and uh, yeah, so I'm blessed. Well, yeah. I don't know if I should ask the last question, but I guess I'll go for it. It's hard after all these beautiful answers. Um, what's one thing that you do as a regular daily practice? It like, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> gratitude. <laughs> it is. It's the gratitude of the beginning, waking up, being grateful. 
I lie there and I breathe for a few minutes. I breathe into my womb area. Make sure I'm at home. I open the curtains, I open the blind. The day gifts me, my first gift of the day. And I carry that through the day. I'm grateful for all of that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Nyata, thank you. Hmm. My pleasure. We are so grateful to our guests for making time to share about their work and their life so wholeheartedly. Stay with us while Lauren and I discuss a bit of what came up for us during the conversation. <laughs> say it. You're going to say it. Wow. You're going to make me say it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, Christine, it's a beautiful way to wrap up this season. It really is, um, because I think Amantha touched on all the themes that we have um, woven through these weeks of recordings and these beautiful women from all over the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know towards the end she was talking about, you know, being happy where she's at now. She knows more, she knows less now than she did when she was 20, which, of course, we all know because we all knew everything when we were 20. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just spend some time with a 20-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that idea that, you know, we do, we live in a youth culture, but that isn't, for at least from my experience, all the people I know are, especially women, are much happier and more in their own as they get older, right? That just is. So she was, she had a beautiful way of saying that. Well, and and that being said, I think her work is helping women come into that early in their life. That that really sounds to me like um, what her program's about and holding space for women at whatever stage in life they are to become at ease with everything and everything about themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm. I probably should apologize. I got, I got off on the guy thing for a second because, you know, everything she was saying is super beautiful. I totally agree with that. I think women are coming, need to come into their own power, all of that. But there's some aspect, and it's not just her, but like I often think of this term, like the opposite of patriarchy is not matriarchy. It's fraternity, right? Yeah. So I do like as we come into this power that I do think we're coming into, I think it's important to be mindful about the fraternity of it all, right? Like we cannot be forgetting, like I live with three boys, you know, two boys and a man, and they have a lot of energy that needs to be just sure. and harnessed as well, right? And I don't see those spaces for them right now. Yeah, I think this is really important. And, and Christine, I can't help but think it's a matter of order. I think women have to stand in their own power. And then this will create the space for men to come into balance with their own feminine energy. And, you know, we, I think we're, we're never going to have that moment where everything's lined up, right? Because we live in this evolving process. It might be possible, but this has to be ushered in first. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah, I have I have all these favorite lines written down, and they're all over my page. Um, one of the things that really struck me was when we asked, or I think I asked about, you know, what was happening now that um, folks were coming more to this type of work and. I love this line, what fed them before doesn't feed them anymore. And, and I really have to agree with that. All, I find that very true to myself. The things I read before, things that that nourished me, absolutely do not anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and when I pick those things up again, or when I pick up something I think is going to do that for me, often I find that it isn't doing that, right? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I might have liked that five years ago, but this does not resonate at all right now. <laughs> right, there's an emptiness to yeah. it, um, and uh, the energy just isn't there, and it doesn't feel right and true anymore. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and about, you know, the other thing that she said that really stood out for me was when I, when I asked her about trust, you know, trusting ourselves and she talked about, we, you know, people need a place, a space to tell their story. Like, I thought, I don't know, there was, there was something in particular about how she framed that, that I was like, oh, that is really interesting. I don't think I'd ever really thought about it quite like that. Super profound. And I have to say, we've asked a lot of women that question. And I, we talk about that a lot amongst ourselves. And I haven't thought of it that way. And I have that in the box of my note notes here, it, it, that to share your story and to be heard without interruption or comment. And how that transforms your feeling of self. I, I know that first part is very important and it's something we're taught in coaching and it's something um, I try to do with my um, work and but the fact that that's what helps us trust ourselves because we're hearing our own voice that's profound yeah 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 no that really just, just I don't know I, I don't know how I'd never thought about it before either right yeah. because it makes yeah. so much sense the moment she said it I'm like oh of course Right. And we talk about holding space all the time. And that's essentially what we're holding space for. (laughs) Sure. And and how easy is that? I mean, no one has to fix anything. We just have to hear each other's story. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, another line that I'm sure you picked up on was that each woman is a key creatrix and I love that term too I've never heard that before yeah I don't know if I have or not but I do I liked it I mean of course it seems very empowering so and it's about creating so of course I love that but I think that's true I think the other thing I took away from this talk was just you know she's she's really adept at painting pictures of how life could be different Mm. right how life was different for her and is different, I think, still in comparison to how most people live. But I was thinking as she was talking, I'm like, you know, like my boys, they don't even know that this picture she's painting could exist, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. it's really important, I think, that we have people like her who can paint those pictures for people and be like, hey, you could have brothers and sisters who are in and out of each other's homes and who whose work works, you know, coincides with what each other needs in order to build a house, right? Like, it, it is not rocket science. But again, if you have no experience of that, you know, I mean, it's really important that we have these people who can hold these stories. Yeah, she, well, she's holding a vision, really, right. there. And it's yeah. a vision that was, and a vision that can be again. And, um, the 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 challenge is with with your your boys and mine is there the world isn't telling them that right, right? They're, they're taught something very differently that they have to figure it all out themselves and they have to know everything or make enough money to hire people that know everything right it, it is just a very different time and um you know that's what she talks about is a vision I would like to yeah. move. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening yesterday to, to Richard Rudd's Gene Key. I think number eight is the, did you listen to it? It's the mm-hmm. transit we're in right now. And he talks about a hand, you know, a handmade life, right? And this idea about making our, making things with our hands and this idea of how that is so important to our health, right? And so a lot of what she was talking about is that handmade time, right? We made things that we needed. We made things for each other. We, you know, we had time and made time to make our life. And now, you know, we've gotten ourselves into this kind of world where that isn't the reality, right? And it's it's disconnecting, so. Yeah. Great talk, Christine. Thanks so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We are so excited to be in conversation with these fascinating and powerful women. If you would like to work with them directly, 
You can find all the information you need in the show notes. You can also get in touch with us through our websites, lauren at laurenhubelay.com or christine at adaptiveforuser.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We'd love it if you took a moment to rate and review the show as well. It helps us connect to even more amazing women.